and welcome to another podcast. Now, as you know, I've been asking you for your stories of how the pandemic has impacted on your life. Oliver Crocker got in touch. Oliver had a job, but on the side, he was pursuing his interest in TV history. So just as the pandemic began, he quit his job to focus full time on his books and podcasts on various programs such as The Bill and my favourite, All Creatures Great and Small. That's the original BBC series. Over the course of the pandemic, Oliver has been busy with his podcasts and so forth, but he also published an expanded edition of his book, All Memories Great and Small, which looks at every single episode from that original BBC series. And it goes behind the scenes and there are interviews with the cast from the time and people who worked behind the scenes doing various things. So I was really keen to get Oliver on because I wanted to hear so much more about one of my favorite TV series ever. And I started by asking why he decided to follow his passion for TV history. It was a kind of crossroads in my life where I'd kind of fallen into being an account director and having a big team and having huge sales targets and all that. Oh, a proper job then. A proper, proper job, you know. And I realized it wasn't actually what I wanted to do. And I was trying so hard to make other people happy, either from expectations or targets in the job, and commuting four hours a day as well. So it all kind of came to a head, and I thought, I just need to actually take some time out and figure out what I want to do in life. And and then lockdown happened. So did you actually jack the job in then? Yeah, I, I went to see them and said, I'm going to just put my, my mental health first and regroup it was a lot. It was a lot of stress, and and I'd I'd stopped when it got really stressful. I'd stopped doing my podcast, which was one of the things that made me the happiest. I, I, I and what was that on? I do a podcast about the bill, um, and I'd where I interview the cast of the bill and just celebrate their life and careers, and that made me happy. And I'd stopped it for about half a year just to just to chuck everything I had into making this job work. And, you know, it made me very, very anxious. You know, I really struggled with anxiety. So I thought I'll take some time out and I started the podcast again. I got myself a little part-time job to pay the bills and wrote a book about the early days of the bill. And the lockdown was ideal for that because all the all these wonderful actors and creatives were stuck at home. So... They had time, and, and so I, I was able to talk to a lot of people. So I interviewed 40 cast and crew for this book. The lockdown showed me that as, a, as someone who makes content and interviews people and celebrates you know the history of the way programmes are made, it's what I love doing, I can actually do that remotely. You talked there about your passion. What exactly is your passion then, and how long have you had that? Ever since I was a kid, my mum got me into like Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet when I was six. They were like repeated on BBC Two, like 92, 93. And then my dad got me into classic Star Trek. And then when Doctor Who came back in 96 with Paul McGann, that was like a, a massive moment for me. And I, I discovered Doctor Who and going to buy all the VHSs. And, and as much of a journey of discovery for me was exploring the history of the show. What I realised is my passion is actually 
celebrating the makers of TV and not just um, acknowledging, like, you know, if someone is in the bill or they are in All Creatures Great and Small, well, let's talk about how their journeys began, not just that isolated, successful part of their resume. So now that that is what I do with my own books and, and with the podcast. Tell us then what books and podcasts you've done and which programs have you covered? Yeah, but Bill, that was the most exciting thing on TV when I was growing up. You know, you'd have car chases and, uh, you know, fisty fights and really engaging characters and acting. Oh, I used to love them when they were like, walking around the station arguing or, you know, all that kind of, uh, you know, dramatic stuff that the Bill did so well. So I started watching the episodes on DVD and then thought, well, why don't I, why don't I do a podcast about this? And um, wrote to John Isles, who played DC Mike Dashwood for the first eight years of the show, and he very kindly agreed. Is there a book as well? Yeah, I, I wrote the... That was during the lockdown. I wrote witness statements. Um, so that's about the first three series of the bill and expanded out to interview the cast and the, uh, the crew. So Peter Grigine, the original producer... Uh, the original costume designer, uh, sound camera, you know, a real kind of flavour of what it was like to make the bill. And I'm working on the next version of that for the first half hours mm. now. So yeah, the bill and all creatures great and small have, are, are my two big TV historian projects. And it's your uh, passion. It's my passion, you know, and I, I, it makes me so happy to do. And that that's priceless to to enjoy celebrating talented people who made my favourite shows is it's good for the soul. Well, let's talk about All Creatures Great and Small then, because I am such a huge fan of that. I mean, I, I watch this relentlessly on DVD. I've got the box set like so. Uh, I've read the books as well. The books are very, very good. Yeah. And I've been to Askrig where they filmed it and I've stayed in Skeldale House, now a hotel. What was the appeal of that for you? That, to me, was sheer escapism. Yeah. It was like a comfort blanket. I remember my mum watching it, laughing out loud at Peter Davison getting pulled up the bell-ringing rope in Brotherly yes. Love. Yes. And I could still hear my mum's laughter about that. So I had this distant memory of, of the show. I mean, I, I've, I fell in love with Robert Hardy as Siegfried. I mean, what an yeah. extraordinarily brilliant actor and... A, a, a almost addictive viewing the first two series were like in the sort of 77 78 79 something That's and right. then it came back in 1990 or so i still think the, those original ones were the best because i watched them believe it or not the first time around when i was at school wow. uh, and wow. i remember thinking i want to be a vet unfortunately i wasn't any good at oh. science <laughs> so i couldn't be a vet you know but the, the, just the appeal of it was amazing and the landscapes and everything about it and the characters, Robert Hardy, Peter Davison, Christopher Timothy, Mrs. Hall even. Oh, I just want, and that house and that you just wanted to be in that house, Skeldale House. Oh, and, and you know, I think everyone's fallen in love with Carol Drinkwater and rightly so. Just, just, um, <laughs> just, just she was, wonderful, she was beautiful. Actor. I remember thinking what a beautiful woman she was. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've always, I think it's that period of television when you have, you know, studio scenes being shot in Pebble Mill and a location film and it, it doesn't quite match, but, you know, the grain of the, the picture quality and all that stuff. But it's that kind of, I love that era of TV because 
it was made with such love and people who are at the top of their game and you know i met bill sellers to interview him for the book bill sellers was a producer he produced all 90 episodes and bill was in his 90s when i met him he sadly passed away now and when i walked in to uh, interview him in his bungalow he stood up and he was frail and he stood up proudly shook my hand and he introduced himself present tense as the producer of all creatures and it couldn't help but move you to tears you know because he was still so proud of it and he got all that casting so and he picked the right directors you know it was just um indeed the new all creatures is beautifully made and, and, and wonderfully acted i obviously have a passion for the original um i would and, agree uh, i you know watched the channel five one it is beautifully made I don't know. It's just not as good, not as good as the originals. I'm afraid to say. I mean, it's really good. It's very, very nice. It's lovely, but it's not quite up to the mark, I think. But that, you know, I'm tainted because I had seen the original way back, you know, in the day, yeah. and oh. I still watch it. But even you know, when I watch the DVDs now, the first few which were in the '70s, they're still the best. But even the ones, the the programs then that they were made in the '90s when like Callum Buchanan entered the frame, you know, in different characters. Yeah. They're not even as good, I think, as the original ones, you know. The first three series, Big Steps and Little Ones, when when they go off to war, and that is just such a moving piece of TV. And yeah. I, I, I'd argue it might be a perfect piece of television, yeah. actually. Yeah. It's, and it's still one of those ones where... I, I, I watch and it will move me to tears easy. Yeah. Well, the book, I mean, the book is great. I tend to now watch an episode and then read the chapter in your book about the episode just to f find oh. out about, you know, the people and what was going on and the various different characters. I mean, it's a hell of a lot of work that's gone into it. It's very kind of you. I mean, it made me so happy. The, the first version of it, I it took me 15 months to do. That was to interview 60 cast and crew and do all the writing. And then this one probably took about four or five months to update. There's an extra 45,000 words and 15 new interviewees. And then the amazing thing, this is, you know, it's, I was approached on Facebook. I was promoting the fact that the book was available to pre-order. And a gentleman wrote to me and he said, my brother was in the series. He played Jimmy Herriot. And I said, what, well, Paul Lyon is your brother? I said, yeah. I said, I'd love to interview him. You know, I hadn't been able to find Paul because he only did this acting jimmy herriot 1990 never acted again well, he only lives in first right. <laughs> right around the corner from the museum and he hadn't seen ali lewis who played rosie since they filmed and we had a reunion we launched the book at white rose books in first and they saw each other for the first time since filming as brother and sister 31 years ago and it was just what a special day that was, you know. Janice Ryder and Vivian Oldham came up from Birmingham to support that launch. That's the costume designer and makeup designer, respectively. And, uh, you know, Rosie Page, who's James Herriot's real-life daughter, who wrote the foreword for the book. You know, again, incredible support coming to, you know, oh, just so lucky and grateful. But, it's, you know, it's my love letter to the, the series. And did you interview the main characters or any of them at, uh, as well? Yeah, so Carol Drinkwater I interviewed. Helen. Yeah, Helen, just yeah. amazing. Um, and and now a best-selling author in her own right. And then Carol said, "Have you have you interviewed the guys yet?" And I said, "Well, no, not yet." And um, she very kindly put a word in. Like I said to Christopher Timothy when I met him, 
I just love watching you act. And he said, what a nice thing to say. He was so gracious and unassuming. But that's what I learned with the book. As a leading man, you know, he would write every single visiting actor a little welcome card and leave it in their dressing room, even if he wasn't going to be working with them. And the really special bit was actually three people very kindly loaned me their original call sheets from a series. Um, Liz Robinson, whose dad lent his period car to the production. So James Herriot's period car in series two and three was Liz's dad. And she kept every call sheet from those series that they worked on. So I was able to like actually work out from the uh, call sheets, which B&B did Robert Hardy stay in, which hotel did Chris stay in. What was the call? And it's interesting when you look at the call times, Christopher Timothy is usually, bless him, the one who's doing the really like 7 a.m. starts and Robert Hardy's Up for the usually starting around 9 or 10, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's been fascinating to kind of show that, that slice of how TV was made back then. And they took their time when you actually look at it. Sometimes in a whole shooting day, they'd film like three scenes. You know, it was an, an episode of Doctors now is shot in two days total you know which is extraordinary i wrote to peter davison's agent this is just what this shows you what a nice man peter davison is i wrote to peter's agent at the time he was doing gypsy at the savoy uh, theater and uh his agent said yeah um peter's happy to chat and i'd suggested a phone interview and um, the agent said well peter wonders if you'd prefer to meet for lunch and chat in person i was like yeah and you know he'll give you an hour we chatted for three hours and he was just so generous with his time, but incredibly nice and encouraging. And then when the book came out, I wrote to the agent to say, I'd like to send Peter a copy to say thanks. Again, he said, would, would Oliver like to meet in person and we can have a coffee? And that was just such a nice man, like, and, and really, really encouraging. And um, I mean, Robert Hardy was fascinating. I, I interviewed him on the phone and uh <laughs> I knew that he'd been tutored at university by C.S. Lewis and Tolkien. You know, those are his lecturers. And I thought, wow, OK, I'd love to try and get him to talk about that. And I, I, I started at the beginning and said, how did you you know, get the acting bogey? Oh, I, I couldn't possibly go into all that. I thought, OK, fair enough. Once I'd earned my stripes in the chat and he realised I'd done my homework, he said, you asked me a very interesting question earlier that I've now had time to <laughs> contemplate. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> and he unlocked this treasure trove. And he was just, a, 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 what a wonderful, fantastic actor. And, and I, I got to meet him on the centenary celebrations for James Herriot, the word of James Herriot organised the gala dinner. And I, I actually stood there and watched the moment when he walked in and Peter, Chris and Carol were lined up waiting for his arrival and he held his walking stick up to brandish it at them and then hugged Peter and said my dear boy there you are and they hugged and it was it was just a beautiful moment and I got to speak to him and thank him and he was they they've all been so so charming and kind uh, very lucky and it's a pleasure for me to celebrate them well I have, um, I have to say my favorite character was Granville Bennett <laughs> James Grout, yes. wonderful, absolutely fantastic. I, lo I always love the episodes when they have to go off to uh, his <laughs> surgery and it's then get fun. completely drunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I did, and I learned from writing the book that Granville's surgery, which they travel, you know, out of town to get to, 
is actually the the pub, the back room of the pub used in the Drover, Ian Askry. So it's that kind of trick. You 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 assume the characters are driving off to this other town, and it's actually just over the road, you know. Um, so it's, it's, that was that was a nice little thing to discover. Again, through the call sheets, that's why they're so invaluable, you know. I've started to find some from from the bill, which are harder to get hold of. Um, but I've started to find a few call sheets for the bill for the next era that I'm writing about, which is they were making like, you know, two episodes a week in 1988 and uh, pretty, pretty fast television. This pandemic may have been a, in a way, a sort of a good thing for you because, you know, just talking to you now, you're full of passion and excitement in your remit as a TV historian, essentially. And, you know, you did say that the, the job that you left, it was getting very tough and getting you down. And now you've obviously seemed to have picked yourself up again. And it sounds great, like what you're doing at the moment. It's a lovely feeling now to just be more, more present, even though I'm celebrating the past every day. I'm grateful for it. And I'm, I'm happy for it. And, you know, that job, it was a great job. It's just it was too much for me. And then the pandemic helped me realise that that is not where I'm meant to be. I'm at my happiest when I'm, you know, being a bit of an anorak, I suppose, and digging into the into the past. But if there's enough of it, and there has been so far enough interest, it means so much when someone drops you a, you know, a, a tweet or a, a message to say how much they've enjoyed you. But it means so much. The pandemic, I think, for a lot of people, obviously, you know, my my mum and dad live in France, so I saw them last month for the first time in two years, because um, you know, so that's that's hard, and you know, the the pandemic was horrible in many ways for many people, and you know, I'm I, I'm not missing that. It's not, it doesn't pass me by, but I I I was able to, well, who knows what's going to happen with that, but I've been able to reset my life, and I'm grateful. You know, if if you're able to you know follow your dream and give it a good old go you know and what's the worst that can happen well shall we head to the drovers for a pint oh yes please i'm buying jp <laughs> you're not getting around here this is all on me <laughs> thank you oliver and oliver crocker's book all memories great and small is available now Remember, if you've got a story for me about anything at all, about how you've been coping during the pandemic or how your life may have changed, do get in touch with me, jpdevlin at me.com. And until the next time, I'll see you then.